Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to the same old Arsenal podcast, the Sunday interactive show, uh, a new show that would be brought every other Sunday uh, to yourselves, uh, a show that is driven by yourselves with your comments um, and your questions inside the chat box. We'll start off, we'll have a little chat and then we'll let everyone get their questions in or their comments in or anything you want to talk about, put it in the comments and me and Graham um shall discuss graham how are you sir i'm very well mate uh good evening good afternoon um yeah another debut show mate that's uh two and three days two Two and three days yeah i thought it went really well with amanda on friday friday Mm. night i think she was excellent wasn't she uh really good good reaction to the first show so good debut show there with amanda and Good to kick off this new interactive show with you on a Sunday. So, yeah, so uh, I'm really lucky. Spent Friday with Amanda, Sunday with you. Who needs Sophie Rose in the back of a taxi? (laughs) (laughs) The weekly joke. The weekly joke. Um, Poor old lady. Poor old judges. Good evening to you all in the comments. Um, Good evening to you all. Hope you're all well. I see one there, actually. Um, We'll bring this one in. Oh, I hope you feel better soon, mate. Um, I see you've got COVID there. Um, so I hope you feel better soon. Who else have we got in here? Oh, loads of people. Simon, Nigel, how are you, sir? Ismail, uh, Fatality DMB. I like the sound of that. Um, yeah, so I think um, the only thing we can start off, Graham, is obviously uh, the North London derby um, that got called off yesterday. I think um, Tottenham... Uh, and their supporters and and the general and the general uh, population of journalists have actually united the Arsenal fans. <laughs> Yesterday <laughs> was so much fun. 
um, on Twitter. I had a lot, a lot of fun. Anyone who follows me might have seen like the same photograph being tweeted out 200 times. Um, <laughs> I found a nice picture of Mikhail Arteta drinking a glass of wine with uh, cheers written underneath it. And um, yeah, I just, any, any, any Spurs fan that I saw crying, I just sent it to him. Um, immature, probably. Did I have fun? Yeah, I had great fun. Um, Graham, the, the, the uproar, the uproar, um, to, you know, directed towards Arsenal calling off a game. There's been 20 postponements, including that one in the Premier League, but only this one has caused <laughs> this much trouble. Um, a lot of people saying that, uh, a lot of people saying that, you know, we, we only had one COVID case, but I believe the rules state that these new COVID rules state that if your player's injured or player's missing and you have COVID cases, then there's grounds there's grounds for a game to be called off, which I actually didn't know. I thought it was just COVID until I got pulled aside and um, told what, what was going on. Um, but what what great fun uh, yesterday. I, I had great fun. Uh, Graham, what, what did you think about it all? First of all, I thought it was really interesting to hear uh, Jamie Carragher call Arsenal out when he said nothing when Liverpool called off their game against us. It was interesting to hear Gary Neville call us out when he said uh, when Man United called their game off and he didn't say nothing when Man United called their game off. And even Andy Gray today. You know, remember Andy Gray? who was yep. a great one. Great one for rules and regulations he was, wasn't he? But even he was calling <laughs> Arsenal. <laughs> even he was calling Arsenal out. Uh, and he used to play for Wolves, did he? Um, and he said nothing when Wolves called off our game at the Emirates on the 28th of December. I mean, so, look, it's and I think Micah Richards, uh, Micah Richards, to get it right, uh, Man, of Man City, ex-Man City, he's played for a lot of clubs, though, hasn't he? I think he got the right take on it on Sky today. It's almost like um, it's because it's Arsenal, isn't it? Uh, and... Uh, you know, nothing was said in before Arsenal sort of like I thought towed the uh, you know we're well, not towed the line. How, how can I put it? Arsenal went in and did in fact what virtually seven or eight Premier League clubs off the top of my head have done over the last month. And the rules and regulations are quite clear. Arsenal have done nothing wrong. They didn't have enough first team players to actually meet the criteria. Uh, and also they they flagged up to the Premier League that they've had uh, ongoing issues with COVID since December the twenty first. So, albeit only one COVID uh, casualty uh, this time, we have got, I think, up to potentially 15 first-teamers unavailable could not have fielded the 13 players and two goalkeepers needed, which is the regulation. And those rules are made by the Premier League, Craig. They're not made by Arsenal. And Arsenal Arsenal didn't take the decision, did they? The Premier League took the decision. The same Premier League that called off uh, games for uh, Man United, Spurs, uh, Newcastle, Burnley... Um, you know, uh, Wolves, uh, you know, all these other clubs. I can't remember more off the top of my head. But so the rules are clear. All the Premier League clubs were aware of the rule. Uh, the rules, I think, might have changed during the season. But uh, all the Premier League clubs accepted the rules. So for this for Aura now, and it comes from Sky Pundits who basically couldn't have their little cosy Sunday afternoon in front of the telly earning loads of money, Sky TV. Uh, and for all those sort of like... Uh, Tottenham fans uh, and Tottenham people coming out of the woodwork this weekend, they said nothing when they called off their Europa League game against Rennes. Uh, and they, there was some guy today on a Tottenham channel building a case for the fact it was unfair on the fans. And this is a club that called off the game against Rennes when Rennes actually arrived in London for the game and their fans yeah. were over it. So it's absolute hypocrisy. 
The only thing why it looks slightly bad for Arsenal is that basically Liverpool, after Arsenal, uh, I think in some quarters, some Arsenal fans and maybe in the media said about what was said about Liverpool when they called off their game. I don't think Arsenal were too happy with that because uh, it affected them in a way. And not only the fact they couldn't play the game, it affected the the way that the games had to be rescheduled. So, so from that point of view, um, you would expect a little bit of a backlash. Um, so, but for all that, Arsenal have done nothing wrong. The Premier League regulations are there, and Arsenal, in effect, I think, have, have done what every other club is doing, protected their own interests, Craig. And and I think any other club would have done the same. Exactly. Uh, it takes, and that's a brilliant point you make. It takes. Uh, this to unite the Arsenal fan base, didn't it? And uh, and to me, I mean, I, I, I you know, um, I'm going to be slightly biased towards my club, like all fans are biased to their clubs. But I don't think Arsenal have done anything wrong here. Uh, the regulations are clear. And Arsenal just followed the regulations. And at the end of the day, I repeat, the Premier League had to make that decision. They couldn't say no, of course, because they've uh, given uh, cancellations to loads of other clubs. But it's the Premier League who make the rules, not Arsenal. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about a company as well, Sky, who will rearrange a fixture in two, you know, in two days' time to suit their television schedule. Um, don't give a hell about the fans that, you know, have got tickets or have got trains booked or they just change it. No problem. I mean, how many times have we had our fixture changed at Old Trafford uh, away? You know, Arsenal fans are going up to Manchester with no trains, no trains coming back to London after the game. Sky don't yeah. care. Do you know? So, Sky don't. don't care. So... Okay. No, and uh, me personally, Greg, I, I mean, I've lost two games. I was going to the Wolves fixture on the 28th. I booked the day off to go to that. Yeah. Uh, I, might, I might not be able to go to the rearranged game yet. Uh, possible, but not definite. Mm. And I was going to the Burnley game on Saturday, next Saturday. And I can't go to that now because it's been moved to the Sunday and I have to work. I've got a work commitment on that day. I couldn't mm. change it. So yeah. I've lost out there. So, um, you know, they don't care about me. So at the end of the day, uh, and I, I admit the problem is the fans. Uh, and I, I get that. That is a really valid point to make. But then Scott, uh, TV companies don't care about fans. So for Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, uh, in Carragher's case to really spit the facts that, that he, did, he did, and he's got a world, you know, sort of history of spitting, hasn't he, uh, which we have to say. Um, you know, he's just sort of like employed by Sky, um, and he's going to say that he doesn't really care about the fans. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, the, the TV companies, as I said, don't care about fans. So... It's not a, you know, the fan argument is a separate argument. It's all about mm. a pop at Arsenal, which I think was uh, not right. Uh, because I didn't hear the same sort of like um, intensity and energy directed at other clubs when they've cancelled their games. Mm -hmm. And and I, I can remember one guy saying to me recently, and, and this you talk about Premier League being able to rearrange fixtures. This Chelsea fan said to me recently, when we played Leeds, um, what, that it was a travesty that game was allowed to go ahead because Leeds had so many first teamers out. Uh, Arsenal had a full strength first team and Leeds uh, had a load of injuries and had to play a weakened team. That game could have been rearranged. Um, so, you know, yeah, people... you see, the thing that, the thing there is, I've been reading a lot of the things like that. The thing there is that Leeds did play a young squad, uh, you know, against us. But the, the the point there is that Leeds never made an approach to the Premier League to have the game cancelled. They yeah. were they, they they were happy to play it. Yeah, no, but I was just making the point. You can pick and choose your arguments to suit your yeah, agenda, can't yeah. you? Uh, yeah. But the, the, I don't think Ars Arsenal have done. I think what every other club would have done in Arsenal's position, and yeah, you'll probably find you'll probably find other clubs are going to do it. So the, the the rule is there. The, the clubs knew it was there. Um, I'm pretty sure they knew of it. Uh, I'm pretty sure they accepted it when the Premier League must have sent it out to them. So 
you know, we're getting this fuss now really from pundits trying to sort of uh, people like no nobody's like Adrian, irrelevant people like Adrian Durham trying to drum up views for their radio or, you know, clicks for their radio show and views for their TV platforms by making arguments out of this. But at the end of the day, it's the Premier League who set the rules and the regulations and, and, and clubs apply and, and Premier League decide whether their, their application is valid. Absolutely. I agree with you totally, but, you know, it's the Premier Like Again, you know, you can you can pick and bicker at Arsenal all you like. We we haven't broken any rules. We followed the Premier League's rules um, and the game was postponed because we couldn't field a team. Did you, um, did, sorry, Craig, did you see that salty statement from Tottenham? <laughs> oh, that was absolutely laughable. Um, I, I'd love to be able to recite it. To be honest, uh, the bit, the bit that got, the bit that made me laugh the most was, was it? We are disappointed and somewhat surprised at <laughs> the yeah. Premier League's, uh, the Premier League's choice to uh, postpone the game. Um, have you got it there? Yeah, I'm just trying to get it up here uh, because I mean, Arsenal. I think whatever you think, when we make a, a statement, the club makes a, a statement. It's always done with dignity, isn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, oh, we've got some comments coming on here. So Hendon Guna makes a great point about the Leeds game. Um, Leeds had loads of players missing today and they've gone and beaten West Ham. Uh, absolutely good point. Yeah, William Taylor makes the point as well that we're the youngest side in the Premier League anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> what's the point of you know, us? Oh, you're not playing your young fellas. Um, this is the top. This is a this is a this is a Tottenham statement. Uh, our derby against uh, Arsenal has been postponed. This follows an application from Arsenal to the Premier League on the basis of a combination of COVID, existing and recent injuries, and players on Af international duty at the African Cup of Nations. We are extremely surprised that this application has been approved. We ourselves were disqualified from the European Conference League after a significant number of COVID cases meant we needed to reschedule a fixture. <laughs> And our application to move our Leicester fixture was not approved, only for it to be subsequently postponed when Leicester applied. Good old Leicester. <laughs> but look, if you if you lose to Mora Mora in the Europa League, the bottom uh, ranked team in the Europa Conference, maybe you don't deserve to go through anyway. So absolutely. I mean, there's petitions um, out. I've seen petitions out from Spurs fans trying to get get us docked points. They're um, they 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 some of their fans are writing songs about it. Just singing the stadium for. <laughs> can you can you imagine if we had a petition to dock them trophies? <laughs> oh, oh, dearie, 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 dearie me! I don't know, I don't know. By Moving the way, on, Tottenham baby. fans, got, yeah, in, hello, Tottenham fans, if you're watching or you're listening. Yeah, five, five, five thousand seventy-five days without a trophy, Tottenham fans. So drink that. <laughs> drink those tears. This one comes in from Luke Williams, Graham, and he says, uh, yeah. "Do we think that the Marseille transfer ban?" Um, will we get Matteo Guendouzi back? Now, Dan put this in the, uh, the WhatsApp yeah. didn't he, earlier on today, and I replied with him saying that I'd welcome him back. Um, how would you feel about Guendouzi coming back to the Arsenal? Well, I think that Dan's right. I think we get him back, don't we? Um, I would take him back, not least because we've got issues in midfield. So, uh, and uh, yeah, so I would welcome him back. Um, I think, um, you know, Mikel Arteta. Um, has got history of pay maybe once he, he's you know you've burnt your bridges with him he wants to move you on, but um, look I I always think that if a player comes back a bit like Lukaku 
who made a, a statement the other week and has apologised. Quinduzi come back and said the right things. Um, you know, he needs us. We need him. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I could see us sort of like, you know, needing him to come back into that midfield. That midfield at the moment, we are short with midfield, of course. So, um, and, of course, it's not, I think, the next season, mind you, and we probably will go into the transfer market. But, look, I would take him back. I mean, the one thing I liked about him is that for all these uh, issues that uh, Arteta didn't like, when he was on the pitch, he was 100% committed. You mm. couldn't doubt the fact that he was he was passionate. Uh, fought. He wore the badge, do you know what I mean, on the pitch, and he cared. Uh, he, he made some mistakes. He was a young bloke, but maybe, you know, a couple of years on, he would have learned from that, and maybe we see... Uh, a new Matteo Guendouzi. Um, and but look, in answer to the question, I think he's, he he will come back because of what Marseille have said today. Absolutely, and I mean, you know, a lot of people saying that you know Arteta Arteta moved him on because of what happened at Brighton um, when he got more pay, more pay around the throat, um, and 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 of course, um, did he did he got himself sent off for that? I believe didn't he? Um, yeah, after the game, wasn't it? Yeah, like. It can't be just because of that. There was obviously something, um, obviously something that went on behind the scenes, um, or something that was said to him after the game. You know, did, did he show him a bit of attitude? Uh, this, that, and the other. But I, I'm with you. I, I, I like him, um, and I really, I, I like him, and I, and I think there's a player in there, and because he's still so young, and because he's been away, hopefully he's had a chance to actually, you know, sit back and actually realise that he's an Arsenal player and that we're a massive club. Do you know? And if, and when you play for Arsenal, you've got to act in, you know, you've got to act um, in a certain way and you can't be doing, you know, you can't be doing that. I think, I, I hope that he's gone away and he, and he, and he said he's, he's thought about things like that to himself um, and he comes back um, and he comes back and, and, he, and I'm sure, and, I, and I'm pretty sure he could do a job for us. I, I really do. I really, really do. Yeah, I think all, all people deserve a second chance in life, Craig. Uh, yeah, and uh, and, I, and if he learns from it, um, look, I think there was probably a bit more to it than just what happened at Brighton. Uh, no doubt about it. He's a young guy who, let's face it, was Emery's favourite at Arsenal. So when Arteta come along, the whole dynamics changed for him. Uh, Arteta obviously changed the way he wanted discipline at the club. Um, and um, whatever you think of the, uh, Arteta's non-negotiables, uh, he obviously fell, uh, you know, flawed in that area. Um, but for all that, he was a young guy. Uh, and, you know, he said some things since he's gone that I'm not too happy about, to be honest. Um, mm. So we don't know, to be honest, whether he really wants to come back, do we? And that's another thing we haven't spoke about. Uh, but uh, Arsenal is a big club. He is more experienced now. Um, you know, and it, I wouldn't say I'd rule it out. Um but it obviously depends again on the manager. The manager might not, yeah. you know, although he's still be our player, the manager might want to sell him. I don't know. Um, yeah. But obviously, he can't stay at Marseille. But this one comes, I mean, and, and uh, Andrew, thanks for your comment, mate. He says he won't come back. The deal is okay because it was in place before the ban was given. Uh, there so you he, go. Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, if, now, if that's the case, then he's not coming back. So what we said is irrelevant, isn't it? So he's not coming back. So <laughs> didn't want him back anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's <rubbish. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> This one comes in from Cigarettes and Arsenal. Great name, that. Great name. Yeah. Love it. Love it. We need a different type of midfielder. More in the Bru uh, Bruno... Um, How do you say his name, Graham? 
Uh, yeah, the Brazilian. Um, yeah, Bruno Grimares, Gu- Gu- is it? Grimares, yeah. yeah. Grimares, uh, yeah. With Odegaard yeah. in the starting eleven, Guendouzi would be nothing more than an impact sub. Yeah, possibly. And I think Grimares would be a great fit for Arsenal. Um, no doubt about it. And I watched his performance the other night uh, in a top French game against the top club in France. And he was superb. And he's an international footballer. So Edu will be well aware of his qualities. And I think he's just the type of player we need. Yeah, so... Um, if Guendouzi come back, no, he wouldn't be ahead of a player like that, would he? Even if he would have come back, but mm. uh, I think the thing is, with our, if you look at our midfield, I think we lack central midfield presence at the moment, uh, and that was showed last week at Nottingham Forest. Uh, I do think we need to move on from Granite Jacker. Um, uh, I think for a number of reasons. One, I think uh, not least because I, I think you know he makes too many mistakes on the field, as we know he keeps getting sent off. I think that uh, I just think also the way Arteta wants to play to press up high, uh, I don't think he can do that uh, as well as I would like from that type of player. For all that last week, I didn't think it was entirely his fault uh, when that uh, when he got sent off because, as I said to Amanda on Friday night, there were other people to blame in that. I thought that Arsenal got caught out and he was uh, chasing back. Uh, he shouldn't have been in that position because he'd gone high to press. Uh, and Gabriel also committed high, uh, which meant that only White was back in our half when Liverpool made their transition and Robertson pinged that fabulous pass. Uh, I also think Ramsdale could have been out further out. Now, I've always said this season, one of the things Ramsdale's offered the club is that he's always that further out of his goal than Leno, uh, and he's further up the pitch anticipating things like that. But on Thursday night, he wasn't out of his goal like he normally is. If he'd been 10 yards further out, he would have been able to get that and maybe Jack of could have trusted his goalkeeper more and allowed him to come and sweep that away. Like you would have seen Edison for sure come out and get there. So, um, so it wasn't just Jacker's fault, but I just think we need to move on from Jacker, not least because referees just so keen to send him off and how long we can allow that narrative to carry on. It's almost like we're being forced by the way Jacker is looked at by referees mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I watched an incident again on Saturday in the Chelsea Man City game, a similar sort of incident where Man City player dived in the box Um like Silva did against Arsenal. And I think one of the reasons why the decision went against Arsenal was partly because it was Jacker, you know, whereas the Chelsea player got away with it, you know. So two separate Man City players both throwing themselves to the ground when somebody pulled at them. So, but I just think for all that, I think we need better than Granite Jacker. Mm. I mean, he's been at the club. He's not the sole reason we haven't made top four since he's been here, but it, I think that the fact that we haven't made top four is is since he's been in the centre of the midfield. Um, it's, it's been better when he's next to party. I'll give him that. He has got qualities that I like, but for all that, I just think the negatives outweigh the positives for me. And I think if we need to get serious about taking this club to where it needs to go, I look at the areas of the team we need to improve, uh, what the next part of the project is for Mikel Arteta, central midfield and a striker who can score 25 goals. If we got that with all these young players and the way he's built that defence... We are going to be challenging, I think. For you know, I expect us to be up there challenging for top four every year and moving as these young players develop towards hopefully competing for the league one day. Absolutely, absolutely. This one comes in from. Uh, I hope I'm saying this name right, mate. Uh, Ridhi, Ridhi, I think. I hope I've said that right. Um, he says, Graham, why is it taken so long for Edu to plan for this window?" Now, I think obviously the planning for this window has got a lot to do with the outgoings as well. We've actually seen, um, you know, Maitland-Niles go out on loan um, last week. Surely, with players like Maitland-Niles going out, Graham, 
there's got to be someone coming in or you know there's got to be plans to, to to bring someone in because obviously we've seen it the weekend we're very very short um you know the north london derby's been been called off because of it um so surely graham in your opinion some something's got to be happening surely and surely we're going to see a couple of new players walk through the door before the end of the month yeah i agree uh, i i think the, the problem arsenal always had was is first of all the players they were trying to get rid of, the Deadwood from the past, who they had to get out, um, you know, so that was always an issue. We couldn't bring everybody in at once. They spent 129, $130 million. So they identified the defence, right, as the key areas. They got a goalkeeper, they got a centre-half, and they got a, a right-back. They brought Odegaard in as well. They did buy a midfielder, actually, but he's more an attacking midfielder. Mm. So, um, you know, the players, they, and they brought in Lukonga. So Lukonga was sort of like backup in midfield as well as Tavares at backup at left back. So they spent a lot of money. You can't spend, I suppose, they must have looked at what they had available to spend. Could they have afforded to have spent more? I don't know. Um, AFCON coming up, um, I think they were unlucky in that Jacker got injured or, or, or had COVID and then got sent off. You know, So the, the problem is when they were planning for the season, maybe, you know, you could argue they would not have known that what Kobe would be doing. I mean, you could say that they should have known that maybe there's a possibility because we had Kobe has been around for over a year. But there's only so much they can plan for, um, Craig. Uh, and I think they've been unlucky in certain things. You talked about the Maitland-Niles thing, but they made promises to Maitland-Niles. I think he was very good. He, he stayed. He's barely played. So they, they said you could go. And then, of course, events took their course, which have led us really short in midfield. I do wonder whether he could have thought about changing the style of play, maybe going 4-3-3 and playing two number eights, either side of a number six, which would have, um, uh, I know it would have been different from the way we were playing. And we are playing in this really, what I call really fluid style now, which I like, you know, uh, the way we play now. But you know, maybe he could have changed it or he could have gone with a back three. You know, he could have gone with a back three uh, and played wing backs and played just two in midfield. Odegaard next to one of the central midfielders while Jacker was out and Party was away. He could have maybe done that. But but that's not the, the way he chose to go. And obviously he's got his reasons for going the way he wants to go. I think it's a combination of possibly poor planning, not really understanding what COVID would have done. Uh, and, and obviously Jacker when we needed him, unfortunately, being Jacker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't see, I can't see Granite Jacker being here next season. Um, well, I, I think, I, I, think it, I hope he isn't, but I think he's got a contract, hasn't he? Uh, so, I, yeah, I think... I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, surely, how long ago did he sign that? I mean, that... Well, it, they signed it at the start when he came back. They gave him an increase in his contract, didn't they? And and gave him a pay rise, and they probably. Didn't get the value they want for, wanted for him last year, Craig. But I don't think they're going to get. He's going to be worth even less next year, isn't he? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I think we just need to cut our losses with Jacker. A bit like, and it's unfortunate because just quickly we are finding this at Arsenal quite a lot now. We're starting to cut our losses with players yeah. because it's just been bad recruitment, bad planning, and and you know you just you know this is what you get. Maybe it's a, also a case of modern football, but we you know we're going to probably have to cut our losses with Pepe probably, you know, uh, cut our losses with a Bamiang, like we did with Ozil. It's becoming a regular thing at Arsenal. Absolutely. Let's go through some questions here now. I've got some here pulled aside. Um, this one comes in from Andy. Thank you very much, Andy, for your question. Do you agree that if Arsenal get 
I can't say that. I'm so bad at all these um, all these foreign names. Look. Can you can you pronounce yeah, Vlavic, Vlavic, Vlavic. Vlahovic, Vlahovic. Yeah. And a top midfielder in January. We don't need many additions this summer, considering the players we have returning from loan spells. Great question. It's a great question, and I think the answer is I think I think whatever we if we do one thing in this January window, go out and buy Vlavic, right? Because the top clubs are going to be circling around him in the summer, right? Mm. We will probably not get him. So yeah. the, the problem is Arsenal are really interested in this striker, right? And and he's looking really hot at the moment at Serie R. He's top league. Harry, I tell you, I think. Uh, Harry thinks obviously he's overpriced and probably he is. But he's, 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 he's at the stage of his contract where he's going to, he's overpriced, admittedly, but he's going to be worth even more money, I think, um, in the future. So, yeah, the more people um, that uh, come in, the more people that yeah. come in, the more people are going to make offers. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think what's going to happen is, is that I think a lot of top clubs in Europe are waiting to see what happens to Haaland at Borussia Dortmund. He's like the number one striker. There's very few of these type of strikers in the world at the moment of his type. And I think Haaland's going to be the one who they're all going to clamour for at the end of the season. And then the clubs who don't get Haaland are going to be going for this guy. So we've got a great chance now. And, and Arsenal are doing their normal Arsenal thing, sort of like Fiorentina are almost like interested in business. But they want the money up front. They want the whole of the money up front. Arsenal want to pay it in about four instalments. And, of course, they won't accept that. It's, I know this is how football transfers go. You don't pay all the money up front. But I think this is the one deal that Arsenal need to try and meet them as close to what they want. Because if we got this guy up front, I think he's as close to what we need, as I can see in Europe at the moment. He's Lacazette, a younger, hungrier, not hungrier, that's the wrong word. He's a younger version of Lacazette in what he offers to the team in build-up play and all that things that he can do that Lacazette does. But what he's got is he's a goal scorer as well. And he's, you know, once he's acclimatised to the Premier League, I can see him getting 25 goals a season. That's what Arsenal need. I think you don't compete for titles for cups unless you've got a goal scorer and if we look this season our leading goal scorer is Emil Smith-Rowe and that says everything really so uh, as much as we're pleased that our midfielders are now chipping in with goals our our two uh, main forwards on our biggest money Lacazette and Aubameyang are not scoring the goals that they used to so don't get you know don't get me wrong I think we do need a central midfielder and Guimera's if we could get him or Top quality centre midfielder, that would be great business. Even if we get uh, Arthur on loan to the end of the season, I don't know what's happening with that deal at the moment, or we got another midfielder. If you offer me one option, albeit it's not going to solve our midfield problems, get that striker, pay yeah. the money, just bring him in for next season. You know, I mean, he definitely looks like, you know, I've been screaming out for a big, tall, strong centre forward for the last God knows how long. You know, the last, the last centre forward we had like that, God bless him, was um, Olivier Giroud. Right, brought yeah. in for fifteen million pound, and by the time he'd left, I know a lot of people call him this and this and that, and he's been called a few names. But I mean, for fifteen million pound, he left Arsenal, didn't owe us a thing, um, if you ask me. But what I will say about uh, Olivier Giroud is, you know, that year that if he had scored a few goals, he might have won the league. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so many, so many games that he blanked. Um, but he, he, he kind of. He's the one that we need, I believe. You know, you've got Saka getting down that wing. You've got Martinelli getting down the other, the other wing, whipping crosses in. Um, there's no one in there to, to follow up on them. And with, with this man in the middle, um, I'm sure we'll get a few more goals um, from the crosses. 
yeah, he offers us a different dimension, doesn't he? Absolutely. So he, to me, you know, looking at him, and obviously I haven't seen probably as much of him as Harry has, uh, but he looks tall, strong, uh, he's skillful, brings players into play, and he scores goals, and that's what you want. And um, I think he could be just what these young players playing off him would need, you know, sort of Saka on one side, coming short, running in behind, Martinelli with his non-stop energy and ability to go past players. And, and, and Odegaard, you know, in the half space as well, will, you know, put him into some good areas where he can finish. And I've seen him finish some really good goals in the last few weeks. So he's, he's quality. So, um, you know, there, there are a few doubts where he can cut it in the Premier League. There always are. It's always a risk players come in. But, you know, uh, you know for the money that, that they want, uh, that's a reasonable price. I think, that you know, where he is in his contract. If, if he wasn't where he was where he was, Craig, in his contract, he'd be worth a hell of a lot more money, I'll tell you. Let's hope we can get him in. I mean, he's a, you know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've, I, I've watched him or know of him. You know, the first, the first time I heard his name was when we got linked with him. So, you know, you can go on YouTube, you can watch him, you can, we can, we, we can listen to what Harry says um, because, you know, Harry, Harry is big into the Italian league and Harry would know what he's talking about. So, I mean, I think Harry believes that he's a little bit overpriced, but like you mm. said, um, he's going to be at that, you know, at this time um, of his contract. Let's bring in another question here. Sorry, now I have them starred here. Um, Black Falcon TV, thanks for your question, mate. Thanks for coming along. Are Arsenal still overcoached? And I think by overcoached, I've seen a lot of people say this about Arteta. They think that he's overcoaching him, uh, or the team, sorry, overcoaching them. Because he's so vocal. I just think it's because he's vocal. And it, I don't think he is overcoaching them, Graham. I just, you know, I think it's just that he's, he's a coach that likes to, you know, up and down his line, you know, and you, in his area. He's just one of those managers that likes to be up and, and shouting instructions. I, I think there's no doubt he does. Look, I, I used to criticise him for overcoaching uh, the, the team. Uh, when I used to do, you know, I do that tactical insight show, though, James, uh, up in... London on AFTV, don't I? And, and I always said in those early shows when we used to watch the games back, you know, he's, he's overcoaching the team, particularly up front, right? But I do think um, he's uh, found ways now for these players to be more expressive in the, the system he's created. So it, he coaches them, but he allows them within that coach structure to express themselves. And I think that's what I've noticed over the last few weeks. I mean, he's clearly coaching them on the pitch. We saw that with Tavares at Nottingham Forest. And at the moment, Tavares wasn't doing what he wanted, you know, and I know Tavares was on his side. He was watching him and he wasn't, he was coaching him and he wasn't doing what he told him. He whipped him off because he felt as though he was playing for himself, not playing for the team and affecting the performance of Charlie Patina. So um, he's always there coaching, uh, no doubt about it. And he kicks every ball, doesn't he? I mean, I sit above him when I go to the games. I'm looking down uh, from about roughly the middle of the pitch up high. So I can see him coaching the team. He's definitely coaching the team. I've got no problems with it's modern football. It's all about coaching. So uh, and I've got no problem with coaches coaching the team from the defence, uh, how they want to build up. I just think the final third of the pitch, you have to say to your attacking players, you know, just go and express yourselves like what Wenger did, you know, sort of like not hold players back from expressing themselves. I thought he was doing that a little bit in the past 
But I think now he's found a system. We play up now almost like in a 2-3-5 still, but it's fluidity in the way the team plays now. I think he's coached them in the, the movements, the way players inter, interchange, the triangles that are building on the pitch in certain areas, even in the midfield. And also the way he asked us to press. You know, he, the way we pressed in that Man City game was down to him. You know, and he wasn't even in the stadium, but he clearly worked it out. The way we were going to, he understood Man City. He, he sort of like stopped Man City playing out. He had Odegaard sort of tracking the pass into Rodri. He had uh, Martinelli pushing on to the um, to the centre half when the ball went out wide on the right. And then he had Jacker pushing up on the right back. That was coached. You could tell that. So out of possession, he clearly coaches the way we press. He's improved the way we play out through coaching. He's improved the way we press up top, Craig. So, uh, and there are two things that I've taken from the way he's developed the team and his style. What he's done now, I think, that I wanted to see is he's allowing these young players, and they've got talented young players, to express themselves in the final third. He's setting the, he's coaching the team to get them into positions where they can then show their individual flair, and you've got to compliment him on that. Mm, absolutely. Daniel says this. Um, Daniel says... How can you be, how can you be overcoached? I don't understand. If a manager didn't do anything on the touchline, they will be criticised. Damned if you do, and damned if you don't. Good point. I make a good point because yeah. I mean, like, it, this one comes in here from DV. No one says anything when Pep Klopp or Tuchel do, do it. Um, again, um, an Arsenal fan thing. Probably looking too much into it. I think um, you know. I I'm quite happy to let him do what he wants to do because, like you say, Graham, that you know something is definitely working. It appears to be definitely working. Um, much more fluid with the ball, much you know, smoother transitions going up the pitch. So I mean, look, let him let, let him carry on doing yeah. it. Do you think, Graham, that because he played for Arsenal, um because he because he played for Arsenal, he knows what we want. And uh, you know, and, and that he he tries to get, you know, he, he perhaps he over tries to, to get the instructions to the players, or do you just think that's his style of management? No, I think I think it's his style of management. Obviously, you are right. He's an Arsenal man because he he loved the club. He made that quite clear when he retired. He wanted to come back and manage the club, uh, and he clearly Arsenal, albeit he went to Man City, Arsenal stood his club. Uh, and he captained the club, didn't he? So he's one of only uh, four uh, Arsenal players who managed and captained the club. Um, so he went to Man City. I think what he learned at Man City under Pep. He's brought back to Arsenal. That's clear. So when we talk about the way Pep coaches Man City, I think he learnt off Pep up there and he's brought a lot of that style of coaching and management back to, to Arsenal. Um, so, but I think that's just in him as well because he, he's always tactically astute when he was on the pitch as a footballer, wasn't he? The way he played under Wenger. So, because mm. I remember when he started off at Everton, he was uh, he started off, I think, at Glasgow Rangers when he came over to to, to Scotland before he came to England. Yeah. Um, but he was more of an attacking midfielder at Everton. Um, more like, but as he got back into almost like, as he got older, he started changing the way he played, almost like into a holding midfielder. And Wenger sort of like trusted him on the pitch, didn't he? And I think that's where he got a lot of his beliefs of the way he wanted football to play. I think, remember, he learned under two really good managers. Wenger on the pitch, uh, trusted him on the pitch, and Wenger was his manager at Arsenal. And then um, Guardiola at Man City's. And I think he's brought that to Arsenal. This one from William. Um, he says, does Graham find it unusual that Liverpool are favourites on Thursday, especially with us at home um, and the Ox probably injured? 
I find that quite strange that they're favourites. I, I, at the moment, I would back Arsenal to beat anyone at the Emirates. Um, well, I also, I, I always have. I, I back us to beat anyone, Graham, uh, at the Emirates Stadium, and I would especially back us to win on Thursday in a game that's you know a one a one off. It, it, it's a one off game. Win it and win it, and we're at Wembley. So I mean, to 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 have Liverpool as favourites. I mean, that ground I would expect is going to be hopping on Thursday mm. with everything that's happened over the weekend with everything, you know, going up to Anfield and getting a draw um, with 10 men, you know, I mean, I've never seen after that game on social media, I shouldn't really judge everything on social media, but after that game, I've never seen the Arsenal fan base as together um, as they were. And and as long may this continue because social media now and, and, and Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that is becoming a joy again, to be involved in because we're all, you know, we're all singing off the same hymn sheet. Yeah, well, first of all, I've been at the stadium. I, as you know, I don't go to away games much these days, but I, I go to home games and there is a definite different feel when you're in the stadium watching games. Um, you know, the fans of the, the togetherness when we came back into the stadium at the start, even at the Chelsea game when we started the season, we started this programme actually tonight talking about COVID. People forget Arsenal started the season with COVID in the camp. Yeah. And we played Chelsea, the European champions, first home game back. That's my first home game back in the stadium for 533 days. I'll get that out. I remember it. Uh, and the, to forget, the togetherness of the fans that day, I think, has set us up for the season. We lost that game 2 0. Uh, Chelsea were far better uh, and deservedly won. But then we had White out with COVID, Lacazette out with COVID, Abamian out with COVID, and plus a COVID outbreak in the camp that we. Literally played a, a back four, which included Chambers, Holding, uh, and Mari. Uh, which, uh, when you think about how fine tuned and good our defence is now, that just showed how weak the defence was that day. Um, so there is a definite togetherness in the stadium now, Craig, uh, and, and I think that's carried on for most of the games. Um, I always think the away support, you know, even when I used to go, was phenomenal. You know, so you, um, it's not always reproduced in the stadium, but from what I gather, the it rocks now, if, you know, when I'm there, it rocks. Tottenham game, for example. Um, Definitely feel the, 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 there's a togetherness now between the players and the supporters like I've not known for a while. So mm. that's one thing. On the original point of who's favourites on Thursday, I think it's 50-50. That's what I honestly think. Um, I think the reason why Liverpool are favourites is purely because they're Liverpool, um, because they are higher than us in the league. Uh, you know, they're... They won the Champions League a couple of years ago. Um, they've won the league title. Klopp's the manager. They're missing, when you think about it, Salah and Mane, obviously, which is the key for them up front. Um, but for all that, they've still got a quality team. They've got their whole defence back now. Alisson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Van Dijk, Matip uh, and Robertson. It's a phenomenal back five. Fabinho is excellent in midfield. Uh, Henderson obviously plays for England. And then the third midfielder, obviously Thiago is the one they're missing at the moment, but they've still got players who they can bring in. Curtis Jones, uh, Ox, you say he might not be available this week. Uh, they've got options as their, or James Milner even. So they've got options in midfield. It makes it, that's part of the team okay. The only thing they haven't got, I think, is that, because Liverpool, let's face it, are a team that play in transition. Uh, they are a team that love you coming onto them, and then they try and hit you quickly through the, you know, through midfield to their two front players, Salah and Mane. That's the strength of the team. So they haven't got that at the moment. I think Klopp's well aware of that. I think Jota is a really top player, though. I think he's been one of their players of the season. Uh, and, and, of course, he's the one who 
Jacker got uh, you know had to challenge and got sent off for that challenge when he was in a good position. He's been scoring goals. We've got to watch him on Thursday because he's good in the air. He's he scores goals. He, he's a top player. He's a top player at Wolves. Uh, I think Firmino is not the player this year that he has been in previous seasons, but it doesn't mean to say he can't do it on the night. And Minamino is a, he's a good player for all that. So it's still a really strong side. And I don't know as yet who we're going to have available because for all that, we are still light in midfield. Uh, we won't have Thomas Partey, who I think is crucial to the way we play. And, and his performance against Man City showed how good he can be. And if we had him playing like that against Liverpool, against their midfield, and I remember uh, when he played for Vescalo Madrid a few years ago, he dominated their midfield yeah, at Anfield. Yeah, that game at Anfield, yeah. Yeah, so, so he's a massive miss for us. So our midfield against their midfield is a little bit more worried, to be honest. I'll be absolutely honest with you. And they have got a strong defence. And so it's going to be a tight game. I do feel it's going to be a tight game. And we don't know yet who's going to be fit for Arsenal. Who's, you know, hopefully we'll have the strongest possible team. But we won't have what I call a real uh, midfield presence uh, with quality midfielders. Because we won't have Jacker and Party, for example. So he's got to find a way around that. Um so, and again, I don't know whether Odegaard's going to be ready. Uh, Smith Rowe is struggling with injury. Of course, we've got other players struggling with injuries. Kieran Tierney now has got a, an injury. And Tommy Asu. We really do need Tommy Asu uh, back because I think he's been our signing of the season for me. Uh, I said it actually back on a early fan cam I did with uh, uh, Robbie that I, I thought he would, it's going to be our best sign of the season. Everyone laughed at me. Uh, and uh, I've watched him. He's without doubt, a quality right back oh, and he gives so much no doubt so much he enables he, what he does he goes unappreciated because he, he enables other parts of the team to flourish so so we really do need him back Tierney obviously is is crucial as well um and I just think if we have them and Odegaard back that obviously gives us a great chance I do worry where you know where the goals are going to come from because um uh if Saka's not fit uh if um um you know, I don't think Lacker's scoring a lot of goals. He's improved his output lately. So it's going to be a tight game because Liverpool got a strong defence, good goalkeeper. Even when at Salah and Mane, I just think it's a 50-50 game. Liverpool are favourites because it's Liverpool, I think. But, it, you know, we've got a great chance. We did Absolutely. what we had to do at Anfield. And so one-off game. One off game. I, I, you know, I totally, believe, I, I totally believe we can win. I totally believe. Andy says, our thoughts on Gondouzi. We've already touched on Gondouzi, Andy. Uh, we're not too sure if he's going to come back because apparently... Um, because the option to buy was put in um, before the transfer ban, that um, it's still going to stand. Uh, this one was coming in from Mark Arthur. Thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate that comment. Thank you very much indeed. Um, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Um, let's just see, because I've kind of lost track here now, um, of what... Give it, uh, Here we go. Look, give our predictions for the Liverpool game. Um, 2-1 Arsenal 2-1 Arsenal I'm going look I'm always going to bet my club so I think it'll be a tight game I think it's going to be a one goal game Craig remember if it's if it's level the away goals don't count I think it goes to extra time doesn't it and then penalties so that's right it'll be a one one goal in it I think I just hope we shade it I hope so I mean it's I, I, I... I think we could take Chelsea as well in the final. I really do. I'm that confident. I'm that confident about them at the moment. Um, I, re- I reckon. I reckon we could win it, and it'd be a massive. You know, it'd be a massive thing to get a trophy this season, um, especially yeah. with what's going on behind the scenes and everything. You know, with you the, know Amazon, the Amazon uh, documentary and everything like that going on. I was just going to say. Sorry to interrupt you there. Uh, I was just going to say we haven't won that League Cup since 1993. 
Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that, that final when we beat Sheffield Wednesday 2-1, the famous wow. final where... Is Steve that the last time Mor- we won the League Cup? Yeah, 93. Yeah. Uh, we won the double that year, the, the, the double, yeah. Chop, the, yeah. both cups. And we beat Sheffield Wednesday in both finals. Both finals, I was at Wembley for, for both of them. Uh, the first game, we went a goal down, then Paul Merson equalised, and then Stephen Morrow, uh, do you remember that name? He got the winner. Yes. Yeah. And then Tony Tony Adams picked him <laughs> picked up. Picked him up. <laughs> threw him over his shoulder and he broke his shoulder, didn't he? <laughs> so uh, exactly. and then and then the second game was really was such a great night really for an unsung hero of Arsenal because we drew with them at Wembley one all in the first game. It wasn't a particularly good game. We didn't Andy play Linnigan. well. And Andy Linnigan, a real unsung hero, ninetieth minute, popped up from a corner, headed in the winner, didn't he? So That's two great right, memories yeah. for me that year. We won both cups and you know, it's about time we got back to the League Cup final. We won it in 87 when Charlie Nickers got a double. I can remember in the 60s we lost finals to Swindon and Leeds when I first obviously was coming aware of Arsenal. Um, and uh, when my dad obviously told me the stories because uh, he used, used to go to the games there. But the only time I've seen us, I've seen us lose to Luton Town in a final, 3-2. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Nigel Winterburn missed the penalty. Mm. Um, and uh, we lost to Chelsea, of course. I didn't go to that one. Uh, when we... We played a, a younger I team. I was in Lanzarote for that one, <laughs> in a bar full of Chelsea fans. And uh, when Theo Walcott put that one in, dear, my, my wife got up and walked out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, they had the last laugh in the end. Um, I actually had, I have to have to say um, to those Chelsea fans who I watched that cup final with, we had a bloody good afternoon after that game. Um, we we're all on holiday, so I, there was no... Uh, <laughs> There was no um, bitterness. Uh, the, the beers were flowing and uh, we had a good afternoon. We had a good afternoon after that game. Um, this one comes in from Amanda. Good evening, boys. Good evening to you too. When the team is announced on Thursday, there's going to be a complete meltdown from Spurs and Liverpool fans. Um, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Because, uh, I, you know, I want to keep bringing out this um, this picture. Is my favourite picture of the weekend. I can start spamming that one again. Um, oh, my favourite picture of the weekend. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, let's go for a couple more. We've got time for a couple more. Um, here we are. This one comes in from Andy again. Is there a possibility that we could sign a player in time to be included for Thursday? Do you I think, don't do think you? there is. No, but I don't think we can, can we? Um, surely there's time. I mean, surely. But there's, there's time, but you've got to get him in. You've got to get him registered. And, you know, he, would he be up to speed that quick? I mean, we could do, but but yeah. whether it be the right moves. Another do you night, expect? Go, okay, let me, cha- let me yeah. change the yeah. question slightly. Yeah. Would you expect anyone to be in and ready for Thursday? There's possibility we could get someone in. Um, and But when players come in, they don't go normally straight into the team, do they, uh, for all that? Um so I think if you look at it, I think we've just got to manage this, Craig. We've just got to manage this on Thursday night in some way. He's got to get the, the structure of the team right. Maybe play a three in the midfield to compete with them in a three. Maybe if Odegaard's back, he could drop in into a three. Um, you know, it depends who's available, of course. Um, but uh, to bring, expect someone to come straight in and then within a couple of days straight into a game like that, it's a big ask, even if it is an experienced player, you know, like... Uh, Arthur of Brazil uh, of Juventus. If we get him, I'm not saying we're going to get him. I'm just saying if it was him, uh, whoever we get. But I think we have to look upon it. We need in this window to bring in a midfielder. That's absolutely clear. So, but if you gave me a choice, if you said, you know, take one player, we, you can definitely have one player in this window. I would take Vlavic all day long. 
because mm. I'd see the value there long term of what he could offer to the team. And I think we just need to manage this situation. You know, get the players back. I think we're putting ourselves in a position now where we've got a fantastic uh, We're in a fantastic position now to challenge for this top four. Uh, and I think it's vital we get that top four place because if we do, it does put us in a position when we start looking at signings in the summer. You know, I know Mikel said this week that uh, players always want to come to the Arsenal, regardless of where they are in Europe. And we proved it. We got a Bamiyang. We weren't in the Champions League, and we do attract big names. But just imagine what that would do if Arsenal got back in the Champions League. Oh, I mean, Bright young manager, young players, yeah. the uh, potential there. We would sort of like be in the market to 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 get the those sort of players who want to play in Champions League. And whether you like it or not, players do want to play Champions League football. One more question, and this is this is what was actually reminding me of the question I wanted to ask you. Um, if we can't get um, Vlavic, Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the summer would be a massive signing for us, I think. And again, another player who I think could do a massive job for us. I really, really do. Yeah, he would. He was for a long time my number one choice, actually, uh, Calvert-Lewin. Um, after events at Everton today. Um, yeah. There's going to be talk about who goes and who stays. Um, you know, I don't know what manager's going to come in. The, the Benitez thing, really, that's the other big talk, you know, sort of like... Well, it's Agent that, Rafa, isn't it? Surely. Agent yeah. Rafa, go in there, <laughs> muck it all up. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I think Calvert-Lewin would cost a hell of a lot of money, that English tax as well. Um, so, but yeah, uh, look, if we can't get Vlavic, and you said, well, we, you can have... Calvert-Lewin, we can't get Vlavic, you can have Calvert-Lewin. It's not a bad alternative, in my opinion. He would suit the way Arsenal play, of all the players that are out there. And that's the type of forward we need, I think. And he's he's proved at Premier League level to be a goal scorer. So, yeah, so that would, you know, if we don't get Vlavic, um, that's somebody who, you know, would improve us as a team. Absolutely. Right. One last question. This one comes in from uh, Sidehant. I hope I've said that right. Sidhan, Sidehant. Graham, what are your thoughts about ML playing as a false nine, similar to how City played with Foden or De Bruyne? I think it would give us more fluidity and help our wingers move forward into into spaces more. Yeah, I'm not, look, I'm not against it. We, we tried it last year, didn't we, in Villarreal? Um, that false nine experiment it didn't work on the night. But I think the team's a lot better now, a lot more clued up. I think the way the team has evolved this year, um, I think one of the reasons it didn't work last year, actually, because we played Jacker at left-back. I think there was other structure in the team that didn't work on the night. That So maybe you couldn't really judge it. I'm not against it. Uh, and I, I, I can see it being a possibility in the future, actually, because, uh, you know, the way Man City play, um, I always thought you can't win the Premier League without a, fo- a recognised forward, and they proved me wrong. So yeah, I, I could see it working. He's right. It does. It would. And these players, remember, are, are fluid in their movements all the time, uh, interchanging. Martinelli, you know, he could play false nine. He could go out left, and then Martinelli could come into that centre forward role, running in from the left hand side. So you've got really good young talent there that sort of like can play. You can change them all around. We talked about this on the same old Arsenal the other Monday, didn't we? When we talked about you asked me that question about how can you get four players into three positions. Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily. It's not necessary Odegaard all the time for Smith Rowe. You can you can change any one of them around. They're all in. You know they can all play in different positions. So yeah, Smith Rowe could sort of like play at that false nine position. He could then go out wide left, uh, and then Martinelli could come more central in a fluid sort of system that moves around the pitch a lot when we're attacking. So, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not against the false nine experiment, and, and Pep's already proved that Man City with quality players 
but it works. So, um, and, you know, the one thing we've got, I think, is a lot of quality in that young players. Those young players are far more mature than their years. Uh, and I, was, I said last year that the importance this year was to build the team around those young players. Um, and uh, I think with Arteta, what he's done this year after a shaky start, I think we're seeing signs of, of um, that evolution, you know. And if we could get, just get, I'll just repeat again, Craig, on this first show we're doing together. If we can just get one quality centre mid and a striker who can bang in 25 goals. Just imagine what that would do to us next season. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think um, people might people might disagree with me, but I, you know, I think that's all we are away, mm. to be honest, um, is that quality central central midfielder that could you know link it all together. And, and like you say, that, that, that striker up front that when there's a half chance, the, the, the striker that I want is the one that will take a half chance. Mm. And 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 put it in the back of net. Like we've seen so many times, Abamyang have a half chance and miss it. Lacazette has a few half chances and misses it. And when you go back and you sit back, that you know those chances could have were the, were the were the difference between three points and one point. We really need that striker that's going to come in and bang in the half chance and obviously finish finish the easy ones as well. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I think if you look back at the history of Arsenal, we've always had that type of striker. We haven't bought a striker for four years, have we? So I think the time's come for renewal in that position. Ever since I've followed Arsenal, we've always had a striker up there in the scoring charts. Uh, great strikers. Uh, you know, uh, the club has attracted great strikers. So we do need that for 100% for sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of great number nines in world football at the moment, is there? That's another thing. So if we were to, if we were to pull off a signing like that, it would just show that, you know, that, you know, the club, as Mikel says, still attracts the, the top players. Mm, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I said at the start of the show, it is great to see all the Arsenal fans back on side um, and, and, and are united, if you like. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, like, thanks to the English press and thanks to Tottenham Hotspur um, for, for, for bringing us all together again, because it was, like I said earlier before, great, great fun. One last question um, comes in from Amanda. And the answer is me. Um, and that's What's the, the question? That. That's the question. That's the question. The question Craig. is, who do you yeah. prefer as a host? Oh, her look. or me? I mean, yes, yeah, it's an <laughs> <that's laughs> answer, isn't it? You're the boss of the channel, so, <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to go for Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I think she was really good on Friday night. Uh, she was. You know, I know, I know how nervous she was, but she was absolutely brilliant. She sort of grew into it. And, uh, you know, I've got some friends who watch the pod. Uh, who, not watching it because I'm on it, mind you. They they love the same old Arsenal. They watch all the same old Arsenal content. And they're so glad now that you're back, you know. And I just think that she was so good on that on on Friday night. And I think it's a you've done a, I think uh a, you pulled off a coup, mate. You really have. I think you signed her up. She's I said I sent her a message. She is royalty uh, in Arsenal fans. Uh, they love Amanda, and uh, she got a lot of respect on Friday. It's good to see her getting some nice comments as well on the video and. I think that show is going to grow this year now. I just think, I know she's got some big plans for it. Yeah. And, I, and, and and I think she's going to be a great addition to the same old Arsenal family. Absolutely. She's got a nice guest lined up as well for for, for next week. I can't say much. <laughs> it's uh, not you, is it? You'll find out tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow um, to find out who Amanda's special guest will be on Friday. Um, it's definitely going to be one that you are all going to what to watch. Lads and lasses in the chat room, thank you very much for joining us this Sunday evening. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's nice to actually have a chat with Graham 
one-on-one uh, in a nice relaxed atmosphere. You know, we've had a bit of fun tonight taking the mickey out of that lot up the road. Um, so, yeah, it's great. It's, it, it really is nice to just sit down after a hard day. I've been up the ladders painting, um, had a nice shower, and I might go downstairs now and have a nice creamy pint of Guinness um, just to, to end my evening. But Can thank you very say, much. For go for it, mate. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, it's really great that you're back now. Uh, I think that... Um, uh, you know, I think everyone's missed the same old Arsenal, I know. I think you've got your shows back. You've made a great addition to Amanda with her show. Same old Arsenal tomorrow night. You've got the, the lads back for the normal Monday night show, which is brilliant. Everyone loves that. And then you've got the four men and the mic back. Uh, and, you know, we're going to be doing this every other week, which is going to be great. And then you've got Amanda's show on Friday. So you've got like, almost like, you're getting a, like almost like a show a day and, uh, and not also to forget our friends in America. You know, that show yeah, is still absolutely. going Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we mustn't yeah. forget our friends in America. Um, and one of, my mates, one, of my mates is, one of my mates is on that, you know, Glenn. Glenn from yeah, New York. Glenn, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love, love him. Love him. Yeah, love yeah, him. Love him and, the bit, and, the, and the bearded gooner, he's such a good host, isn't he? So, absolutely. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. I mean, I'm probably guilty of not, you know, I'm probably very guilty of not promoting them as much as I should. But, I mean, I'm always, I'm in contact with Tanner and he knows the score. He knows I'm you know, yeah. very appreciative of what they do over there. Um, and, and, and they keep, you know, they keep churning out some, um, some quality stuff. Yeah, like Graham says, don't forget to join us tomorrow night. Um, at eight o'clock uh, for the main podcast. Um, me and Dan signed up for it so far. I'm sure another two um, will will uh, take the seats um, before tomorrow at eight o'clock. Probably the judge um, and Harry, I think. So possibly me, Harry, Lee, and um, Dan. Dan. Come and see us at eight o'clock uh, tomorrow. So until then, we see you again up the Arsenal. Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. One more time. <laughs> cheers, everyone. There's Mikel now with his nice glass of red sitting at home. Uh, cheers to you. Cheers to Tottenham. And cheers to the British press. Until we see you tomorrow, take care of yourselves and each other. Up the Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.